Well, good morning. Hey, listen, it is Mother's Day. We have two dozen donuts in the back, and we have a cured coffee cup maker, or coffee maker, I guess that is. So what I want to encourage you to do is, I want to encourage you, if you're here with your mom, or you're here with your wife, Pastor Jess, uh, go back and make her a cup of coffee, get her a donut, and then we'll, get, we'll begin just in a couple, just one minute. So get out of your chairs, go make a cup of coffee, get a donut, and we'll get started. All right, while they're back there doing that, if you can make your way to your seats, if you're not getting a cup of coffee or a donut, uh, make your way to your seats. And if you have your Bibles, open with me to James chapter 3. We're going to be in James chapter 3. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at this uh, series and, and been studying the, the book of James and what James says to us about our, our faith and our works. Now I want to do something real quickly before we jump into James chapter 3. I want to make sure that you understand that there is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that you can do in terms of works to make your way to heaven. James is not speaking to us and telling us that our faith is secondary to the works that we do, And if we do enough works, we can make it to heaven. That is not the truth, and that's not what James is saying. What James is saying to us is that it is through our faith that should cause us to want to do these things that James has been talking about. He's been talking about being hearers and doers of the word, not just listening, but actually going out and doing what the word of God says for us to do. He talks about not showing partiality. Last week we spoke uh, quite in depth about not showing partiality to people around us. That we must love and be open to those that are around us to understand where they're at. The end of chapter 2, James says that faith without works is dead. Again, what he is saying is that your faith, your love towards Christ should cause you to action. If you have a faith and you're, and you're not actionable in your faith, then the question has to be asked, what is your faith in? And James has been doing quite a bit of us asking and encouraging us to go forward and to do these things. In fact, at the, the end of chapter, uh, the, towards the end of chapter 2, he says, do not murder Do not show partiality. 
He goes on to talk about all of these things so that we can live a life that's full of faith. He makes a switch in, in James chapter 3, just a little bit here, and, and we're going to go over this today, and, and we're going to be diving in directly to here. In, in James chapter 3, he begins to talk about the taming of the tongue. He's talking about the tongue that's inside of our mouth and this, this taming of our tongue and what it means and, and what we have. And, and he's encouraging us to not allow our tongues to get the better of us. Now, I don't know about you, but I certainly have had made a habit in my lifetime of inserting foot into mouth. <laughs> I've been in situations where I've said something and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and I want to take that back. And I just wish... Miss Tanya, I wish I had a reverse button on my mouth sometime that I could just hit reverse and go suck it all back in, right? Over and over again, in times of my life, I've just said things that I'm like, I I shouldn't have said that. Both yes and no's, but also things uh, that obviously shouldn't have been spoken. And James begins to tell us these things. And and if you have your Bibles, again, turn to James chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 1. And he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at those ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs, so that, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. Let's pause there for a moment and pray, and then we'll jump right into what James is speaking to us in this first section of James chapter 3. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, even though it's raining, and even though it's cloudy, uh, Lord, you are still the God on the throne, and, and it's not obviously how we want to spend our Mother's Day. Sometimes we wish it would just be perfect sunny days for our moms so that we could honor them. But Lord, you send rain to feed the plants and to feed the grasses and to, to water the earth, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask you that you would, in the same way, send your Holy Spirit to us today. Holy Spirit, come and open our ears and our mouths and our our senses and our minds so that we can understand James is speaking to us in this portion of Scripture that we're going to be going over today, Father. We ask you, Lord, that you would just remove any hindrances that keep us from understanding what you would say and help us to learn to tame, help us to bridle our tongue. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. I ask you, Lord, that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, Father. That you would guide and direct us in all ways, in all things. We'll be sure to give you the glory and so much more because you deserve that in everything that we have. And we say these things to you and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's jump back. Before we jump into this whole bridling of the tongue, let's jump back for just a moment where James chapter 3, verse 1, says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be guided with greater strictness. Sorry. 
What James is trying to speak here to us is that your words have power. That the very things that you say, the very things that you speak to others, the very thing that you share with others has great power. James chapter 3 starts out with a, not a warning to all of us, but he comes and he says a warning to the teachers. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why is he starting James chapter 3, this bridling of the tongue and the understanding, the taming of the tongue, why is he starting this talking to the teachers? Well, it's simply this. The words that come out of your mouth have power. The words that come out of my mouth have power. It has power to raise to life and to bring to death. But one thing that Scripture makes very clear to all of us, both here and now and in this very moment, is that when you stand and you teach and you speak something to those that are around you, that your words hold a special place. For those that are in a position of respect, a, a, holding, a, holding a, a position of power, authority, any type of the teachers, pastors, elders, leaders, parents, the words that you hold on to, the words that you speak to others are very powerful words. And so James is telling us that we should be careful because the words that we speak out of our mouth will be the judged, will be the words that we judged, but with greater strictness. What that means is that when we teach, when we speak, when we say something, the very words that we say to someone else that we're trying to raise them up or tear them down with, those same words are going to be used against us. God holds it possible that if we as teachers, if you've been called to be a teacher, if you've been called to teach, then the very words that you speak to others are going to be the words that you are, are, are you know, God is holding you to this position so that you can raise them up. And so we need to be careful. And when he says teachers, he's not just talking about pastors, he's not just talking about school teachers. He's talking about anybody that teaches someone something. If you are here today and you're a parent, moms, today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to every one of you. Moms, you are held with a, with, in a very high regard. But God also holds us to that high regard because you are teaching your children. You're teaching your children how to become adults. And so when James tells us that we should be careful, what he's trying to say is that not to be a teacher, not to teach, but what he's saying is be careful about what you do because your words hold power in the person that you're speaking them to, but also in your, in you as well. He goes on to say that for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Now, I can guarantee you that there is, someone, there is no one here that has never stumbled across their words, unless they're an infant and they don't speak yet. That's the only way that that is true. All of us have stumbled over our words or said something that we don't mean to say. I'm sure if you're here today and you're a husband and you're married to your wife, you have probably said something that you wish you could have taken back immediately after saying it. All these cross-eyed looks I just saw out there. Everyone, all the, all the husbands are looking at their wife going, that's not me, I'm perfect, right? <laughs> and the wives are like, yeah, right. 
If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. See, the interesting thing is that James makes a connection. And the connection that he's making is he's saying that your tongue is the very thing that controls the rest of your body. What he is saying is that when you speak, when you, when you, what comes out of your mouth is a direction of what's in your heart. Your mouth is just an example of what's going on inside of your body, inside of your mind, and inside of your heart. And he makes this comparison that if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, James knows that there is no perfect man other than Jesus Christ. But he is careful to say, and he's making a point, sarcastic as it might be, that if you're able to not stumble in what you say, then your body must be perfect as well, and you're able to keep your whole entire body in control. Now, he goes on to say, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. He's making a very clear point here, and then he goes on to talk about the ships also, and the rudders on the ships. And what he's making is, the point is that, listen, your tongue can get you into a whole lot of trouble or it can speak blessings and it can build up. Keep your finger in James for a moment. We're going to jump over uh, real quickly to Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs and James, James is very much a wisdom book. James is writing a book of wisdom to the people of Israel. He's writing to the Hebrews, those that are there. It's modeled very uh, closely to, very, uh, very much like the writings of Proverbs or the writings of, uh, of Ecclesiastes, the, the wisdom books we call them. And so James is writing these wisdom, he's making these points, these things that we should follow and do. And so when we read Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, the truth of the matter is, is that we have much power in the smallest member, or one of the smallest members of our body. The tongue is such a small member, it's such a, a small part of our body, but it holds fantastic and great power. And what many people don't understand is that the tongue actually guides where the rest of us is going. You can tell a person and you can, you can understand the depth of their relationship with Christ by the way that they speak. You can tell the love that someone has for someone else by the way that they speak to that person. Not always. Now listen, I understand there's times that Pastor Chaz really makes me mad and I have to say something. No, I'm kidding, Pastor Chaz. There's times that my wife and I get in arguments. She's always right, and I'm always wrong. I know that. But for most part, I don't speak negative things to my wife. I speak positive things because I love her, and I have a relationship with her. Our tongues control and lead us 
James is saying that why does such a small member have such great power? And he's beginning to ask us this question, where is your tongue leading you? If you walk around and, and you're, you're always speaking negative thoughts, you know, I, I have uh, at one point in my life suffered with uh, depression and, and I was going around and I was always talking about how bad things were and I was always focusing on the negative and, and having this time. And you, even though when I saw people, I would smile and everything would be okay. When I retreated to my own home and I was spending time with the Lord, I found myself that I'm praying about all the negative things that were happening in life. And I was speaking these things over and over and over again. And I realized by the grace of God that I was speaking negative things over my life. That this power that was controlled in my own mouth is that I could either speak negative things or I could speak positive things. If we focus on the positive and we start speaking those and being out loud, guess what happens? Your mood begins to change. A few years ago, I had a chance to teach a class at Fortis. I still... uh, argue with uh, Belinda about why she had me teach a law class. Legal terminology was the name of the class. When she asked me to teach a class, I said, you want me to teach legal terminology? Are you kidding me? So she gave me this big book and I, and I went home and I set this book down on the, on the table and I looked at my wife and I said, there is no way I'm going to be able to do this. I spent two and a half weeks reading Terminology, legal terminology, words, so that I could teach these words. And for the first week, I kept saying, oh, there's no way I'm going to do this. There's no way I can get to these words. I can't even speak these words, let alone explain what they are. You know, and I'm going through these things, and I'm trying to understand these words, and I'm trying to grasp what they say so that I could teach them. And, and I'm having this, this anxiety that's working up inside of me. And finally, I stopped and went, wait, I can do this. I can do this by the power of God. He's given me intelligence. He's given me a mindset. I can sit down and do this. And so I sat down and I began to read these words and I began to try to apply them to my own life the best that I could and understand them so that I could teach them. When I started the class, I think there's three or four young ladies that were in the class and and two of them were finishing up their careers or their, their college classes. This is one of the last classes. There was one that was not and and. She came in and she's like, there's no way I'm going to pass this class. There's no way I'm going to be able to understand any of these words. There's no way that I'm going to be able to, to grasp everything that's here. And I looked at her and I said, if I can do it, you can do it. And she'd come in the second class. She came in and she said the same thing. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. There's no way. I'm, I'm already so far behind. And I looked at her and I said, how about you stop telling yourself you can't? And start telling yourself you can. How about you take a step back and say, yes, this is a big chunk of of words to understand, but you can do this. See, the truth of the matter is, is that when we use our words to build people up, there can be a change that happens. And over the course of the 10-week class, I saw a change in this young lady. She began to grasp. She began to understand these words. She began to move forward in these words. And she began to understand and pass the quizzes and pass all these things. And while she was learning, guess what? I was learning too. Don't ask me to repur- don't, don't ask me a word. Because right now, I don't, they're way back here somewhere, right? Your tongue has great power to lift up 
or to tear down. It can not only lift others up, but it can also lift you up. I believe in the power of positive thinking. I believe in the power of positive words. One of the, one of the um, Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell, but uh, mainly Zig Ziglar, speaks of, about this quite a bit. And, and he says that you should, if you're dealing with something that you don't think you can handle, that you should take and you should write down all that you are, post it on the mirror and stand in front of the mirror. And as you're brushing your teeth, putting on your makeup, doing whatever you're doing, you speak positive things over your life. Because see, here's the thing. Your tongue has great power. The words that come out of your mouth and you can change the way that you think by just speaking positively over yourself and others. The truth of the matter is, is that moms have known this for many years. Moms have known that if they speak positive things to their mother, or to their, to their mothers, if they speak positive things to their kids, then it's going to help them. When we step back and we think about all of these things, yeah, sure, we have dad sayings. We have dad jokes like, uh, do you know Yoda's last name, by the way? Yoda's last name is Lehihu. Come on, everyone do it. Yoda Lehihu, right? Okay. Yeah, I know, we have, we have silly dad jokes like that, right? I know, but everyone's booing me. That's all right. But moms have the saints. You know, I asked on Facebook, and not very many people responded. There's a couple. Uh, because I said so, was that you, Jay, I think? And then uh, if your lips stays that way, it's, or if you, keep your, if you keep pouting that way, your lip's going to stay that way, right? I think that's what you said, Jess. I'm sorry? Yeah, bird's going to poop on it. <laughs> I remember some of the greatest things of my life are some of the words that my mother spoke over me growing up as a child, telling me how much she loved me and told me how much that she believed in me. See, as moms, as dads, as individuals, we have great power in our words. We can speak and build them up or we can tear them down. When, when Proverbs comes to us, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. The truth of the matter is, is that you can kill someone with the very words that you're saying. Today, over and over and over again, one of the biggest problems that's happening in schools, or has been happening in schools, is bullying. All across the United States, there's many schools that are trying to deal with this very fact of bullying. What, how can we handle this? How can we control this? What is bullying? Bullying is just simply one person speaking negative words over another and making them feel bad. Unfortunately, too many kids have too many young adults have lost their lives because they believe lies that other kids have told them. They believe lies that other people have told them about themselves. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, Proverbs is not making a difference between good fruit and bad fruit. If you're dealing with bad fruit and you speak in it, you're going to eat bad fruit. Our question that we have to ask is, are we using the power of your words to build up or tear down? This very moment, right here today, whether you're an adult that's been here for many years, in this world I should say many years, 
or you're a young child who's still going through school, are you using your words to build up or are you using your words to tear down? Because you have a choice. With every word that you speak to someone around you, you have the choice to build up or tear down. It is a choice that you have to make. It's a choice that we all get to make. We can either build someone up or we can tear them down. We can do great things with our tongues. We can set captives free. We can share the gospel. We can share love with someone. We can tell them how beautiful they are. We can tell them how great they are. We can tell them how much God loves them. We can do all of these things. Or we can stop and in turn tell them, you're ugly. (laughs) Or some other negative thing that would tear them down. kills me to see today you know I do a lot of stuff with school assemblies and those types of things and it kills me today when I go into a school to do a school assembly the amount of kids that come up afterwards and and tell me stories of people who have been constantly berating them and telling them how ugly they are or how fat they are or how this they are or how that they are it's amazing to see the power and the truth of the matter is is that those kids did not learn to say that on their own That wasn't a surprise. They've learned it from someone, and most likely they learned it from their parents. We have to understand that James is encouraging us to use our words, to use our tongue, to guide, to direct, to build up, to help. James goes on to verse, uh, James chapter 3, verses 5 through 12. He says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. James goes on to say, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James is trying to share with us and saying that your tongue has the chance to set ablaze a great fire. And in this case, he's saying that it's the, hell, the fires of hell that is saying when, you, when your tongue is used in the wrong way, when your tongue is built up inside of you, you come out and you begin to speak negative things over someone, what you're actually doing is you're tearing them down. And James is warning us and saying every creature in the whole entire world has been tamed But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Almost makes it sound like James is saying, oh, well, I guess we can't do anything about it, so we might as well just be okay. No, what James is being careful here to say is that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you'll begin to speak the words that Jesus Christ spoke 
you'll begin to speak the words that are in this scripture. You'll be able to understand that God is love, and so he calls us to share in love. And so we begin to speak those words of love over people, and we begin to speak those words of, of affirmation, of lifting up, of building up, of helping them uh, speak and, and speak over top of them. A few years ago, I was, uh, was on a business, many years ago, <laughs> crazy how time flies. Many years ago, I was on a business trip, and I was out in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was driving down the road to a, a business meeting I had, and the gentleman in front of me flicked a cigarette out of his window. I didn't think anything of it. I watched the cigarette fly by my car and hit the side of the ground. I kept on driving. I get to my business meeting and I hear it's about a half a mile to a mile down the road. I hear all of these sirens start building up and I hear all of this sound and everyone's going, oh my goodness, come out and look and see what happened. This gentleman, when he flicked a cigarette outside the window, it landed in the brush, started a brush fire from just a cigarette and it burned almost 5,000 acres before they were finally able to stop this fire from burning. In the midst of this, it also not only burned brush and and those types of things, but it also, if you've ever, well, Paul knows this, if you've ever been in Phoenix, they have these tumbleweed-looking things that roll across the desert. What was happening is that these things were catching on fire and then rolling across into people's yards and into the garages and into these places. And not not only did the acreage burn, but also so did several houses burn because these tumbleweeds just rolled right into their garage and would catch their garage on fire. It's the most amazing thing. All because of some man who went like that. Hey, that was perfect timing. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that flick of a cigarette is just seen, is very, it, it was done nonchalantly. I'm sure he didn't mean to start a forest fire or start a, a, a wildfire or whatever. He, I'm sure he didn't mean to do all of those things. There's times that when we say something with our tongue, we don't mean to do that. We don't mean to tear someone down. We don't purposely going, I'm going to say this to Corey so that I make Corey mad and I'm going to tear him down. So I'm going to, and I think about this negative word that I'm going to say to Corey all this time. And, and I think about it and I dwell upon it. And then when I see him, I'm like, okay, Corey, listen, you sang out of tune today. He didn't, by the way, but no, we don't think about that. It just happens. Why? Because we don't control our tongue. But the same blaze that was started in Phoenix is the same type of blaze that a wrong word can cause in someone's life. Listen, as a pastor, I counsel countless number of people, and one of the biggest things that I have to do when I'm counseling them is deal with negative words that were spoken over them many, many years ago that today still affects them to this very moment. The very words that were spoken over to them by maybe a parent or someone that was around them has, has directed their whole entire life to this point. The reason why they make decisions, the reason why they do things that they do, the reason why they're in the position that they're in is because some word was spoken over them and it set the course of their life forever. We have a chance to change that by using the words that God calls us to share in love, to help, to be with, to guide, choosing to use our words to build up instead of tearing down. 
My question is, why are we not in the church the biggest and the best hope centers that could ever be around in this world? Why isn't it that we, when you need an encouraging word, you can't come into church and you can't hear someone say, listen, you're such a great person. God has blessed you and you have these things. Why is it that when we come into a church, we don't see these things happening? We, as a church, should be the ones that are... are (laughs) I hate this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. We should be the hope dealers, right? Yeah, we have the drug dealers everywhere else. We should be the ones that offer hope and love. We should be the ones that are, when you come into church, you should feel loved. You should feel built up. You should feel connected. You should feel all of these things. But what's the biggest complaint that we hear amongst people who have visited a church one time and then leaves? They're judgmental. Now, listen, if you're walking against God's will and you're doing things against God's direction then yeah, we have to have a conversation about that. But even that can be done in love. See, church, I think we need to do more. I believe that each and every one of you in this room can do more than what we've been doing already. I think that we can build people up and I think we can be influencers of great things. I believe that we can go and do more than what we're doing right now at this very moment. All of us if we just focus on God and we focus on the words that he's given to us and we use the gifts that he's given to each and every one of us because every single one of you in this room has been given a gift from God. And that's both his love but also his words that you're able to speak over someone else. See what just happened there? In essence, I just told all of you that we're not doing enough. In essence, I told you that we need to do more. In essence, I was telling you that we need to be uplifting and encouraging because maybe we're not as encouraging as we should be. But the way that it was spoken over was very encouraging and uplifting. Every single one of us has a choice to do that today. And we must learn to speak in that way, speak in the language that God has given to us so that our tongue can be controlled James chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of his wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. At first glance, you might look at this and you might say, what does this have to do with taming of the tongue? Why does James make this change from taming of the tongue to now speaking about wisdom from above? Why does James, how is this connected? How does this, obviously James isn't just spurting this out and saying these things. No, there is a connection there. What he's saying is that when he starts to talk about this, he says, 
Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. What he's saying is that if you are good in conduct, if you are wise and you have wisdom from God, then you're going to be able to control your tongue and you're going to be able to act in that way. Wisdom comes from God in knowing what to say in the right way in the right time. One of the biggest complaints I hear from people who attend churches, I just don't know what to say when to say it. I just don't know what to say. Just go out and tell them God loves them. Just go out and tell them that they're good. That there's people that love them. Point out their positive traits. James is speaking to us and saying, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. What's going on here is James is saying, listen, if you're not speaking right words, then jealousy and, and, and all of these things are probably at the root of your heart. And why do we tear people down? The reason why we say negative words to other people is because we're trying to build ourselves up. If I tear someone else down, that means I'm a step above them. And that's what happens. It happens all the time around this world. James is warning us not to have selfish ambition in our hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. What James is really speaking to us is that if we're not sharing out of the love of Christ, if we're not having wisdom that comes from him, controlling our tongue, bridling our tongue, doing all of these things, then what are we really doing? The wisdom that we have is not worth the wisdom that we, sh- we should get rid of that wisdom and get the wisdom that comes from God and God alone. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Let me ask you this question today. Are you pure, peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. What James is saying to us is that if we have the wisdom from God, then our voices and our tongue will be controlled and the things that we speak will come in that same way. The wisdom that God gives to us is to speak pure things, to speak, be peaceful, to be gentle, to be open to reason, to be full of mercy, good fruits. We're not full of mercy when we judge someone else. We're not full of mercy when we put someone else down. We're not full of good fruits when we set a fire. We're not impartial and sincere. The question that we have to ask ourselves today is, is the wisdom from above or is our wisdom birthed out of this world? The honest truth about this is that Our tongues are an exact example of where our wisdom is coming from. If you're speaking positive things and you're building people up and you're working with them and you're praying for them and you're helping them, listen, I'm not telling you to sugarcoat things, but there are ways to build someone up in the language that you use. Teachers do it all the time. I'm amazed to sit back and watch teachers. They have a child who's possibly failing and they speak to them Hopefully, they speak to them in a positive way. 
and they build them up. We have the chance to do that. Mothers do this all the time. Moms, hopefully as a mom, you were, you're building your children up. On their worst days, they come home and they're having all of these difficulties, but moms, we build our children up. Dads, we are called to build our children up. We're called to build our wives up. We're called to build our family up. James tells us to seek that pure wisdom that includes not only being limited in our words, but our actions and words together create a total picture of our hearts. If you want to know exactly where you are today, where your heart is at this very moment, listen to the words that you're speaking. Those words will direct you to tell you where you're at. I want to do something special today because I believe today, you know, it's kind of hard for me to take James chapter 3 and make this fit into Mother's Day. <laughs> I didn't want to stop doing what we were doing in this message because I were on this study of James and I really wanted to go through this book of James. But I also believe that moms today need to, need to be honored and let me say something real quickly, and, and I, I, um, I was touched by a, a message, and it's something that I've carried forth for many years, but Becky posted something on Facebook today, and, or this week, and, you know, that just because you don't have children doesn't mean that you're, a mo- that you're not a mom at heart. There are many that suffer through not being able to have children. There are many that struggle today with that very fact. And see, I believe that moms are more than just whether you have a child or not. Moms are the heart that you have towards other, towards kids, towards people in general. But moms are the best picture of what we have for God's love today. Why? Because they sacrifice everything they have for their children. Jesus sacrificed everything that he had for us. And moms do the same thing for their kids. And that's a wonderful picture. So what I want to do today, uh, Jen, if you want to bring the kids in, uh, that would be great. Corey's going to grab uh, behind the scenes here. I have a rose, or we have a rose, for all the moms here. So if you are a child, I want you to come up and grab a rose for your mom. So come on up. If there's more than one child here, you can come up and get a rose too. We have plenty up here for all the children to get more. If you're here and your grandma is here, you can grab a rose for your grandma too. So this is what I want to do. If you'll, if moms, uh, if you'll stand around your mom... And let's pray for the moms. Will everyone stand up with me, please? May I encourage you today 
And every day, not just today. Today is Mother's Day, and it's wonderful that we honor our mothers today. But can we do this not just today, but can we do this every day? May we honor... Scripture, scripture says to honor thy father and mother. It's one of, the, one of the commandments that God gives to us. Honor thy father and mother. That doesn't mean just that you honor them on Mother's Day and Father's Day, but it means that you honor them every single day. It's how we act, it's how we talk, it's how we talk about our parents, it's how we build them up. May we do that today? So what I want to do is I want to pray, and then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask Corey to play a a little bit. And as he's playing, what I want you to do is I just want you to build your mom up. It's one thing to give them a rose, which is wonderful, but it's a whole different thing to look at your mom, look her in her eyes, and say, Mom, I love you. And give a reason why you love your mom today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you today, Lord, that we can honor our moms. And Lord, James tells us that we should learn to speak and that our tongue has great power. And so today, Father, we just want to build up our moms and others. But today is a special day as we honor our moms. And so, Lord, I just want to say how lucky we are, how blessed we are to have the moms that we have in this place, Father. Whether they're here in this building or they're watching online, Father, associated with our church, we have some wonderful moms. We are blessed, Father, by you. And so, Lord, today we want to lift them up and we want to ask you that your hand be upon them, that just... Even though the weather outside is rainy and it may not be the best day, may today be a day of rest. May today be a day of love. May today be a day where moms feel just the overwhelming sense of the glory and the love of God as it falls upon them today. And may we forget, may we not forget that this should happen every single day. So we honor them today. We ask you your blessing, your presence to be in their lives, Father. Whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're going through today, Father, may you bless them in the only way that you can, Father. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're a a female here today, those that don't have a mom here today, come grab a flower and give it to your wife or... um, we want every lady to be leaving with a rose today when they leave. So will you do me a favor, please? Look at your mom. Look at your grandma. If your grandma and mom are here, that's, you are a blessed person. Look at them and build them up. Just give them, tell them thank you. Tell them you love them. Tell them how special they are. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss. Be with them. They need to hear that from you today. Let's sing this worship song together. That's not the one. Okay.